0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: This is the
2: Conversation Hour
0: on ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
2: Have you heard the term grey divorce? It refers to couples who separate later in life, usually after decades together. And while divorce rates in general are actually declining, grey divorce is on the rise, why is that do you think and what unique challenges do you face if you separate from your partner in say your 50s or 60s or beyond divorce isn't easy for anyone at any age but seniors groups and family law experts say it can be even more complicated when you split after decades together so have you been through what's called a grey divorce What would you like other people to know about navigating a separation later in life?
0: On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
2: This is the Conversation Hour. And it's Bronwyn O'Shea with you today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt. Elizabeth Shaw is Chief Executive of Relationships Australia New South Wales and a clinical psychologist. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello. Why are more and more empty nesters and older Australians getting divorced, do you think? Well, look. I think there's a
3: whole range of factors um, which are um, which are happening now, but have built over time. So one is that people are living longer. So in your fifties and 60, early sixties, in particular, you can still reasonably anticipate a lot of years ahead. And if you're fit and well, um, then and you're not happy in your relationship, then you really can feel that there's good reason to um, to consider um, moving on from that relationship because there might be a lot of other things that you want to do. Um, Lots of life still to be lived. Well look that's right whereas not that long ago um, when people were very fixated on working till they were say 65 and they might have thought they'll live till 78 um, they might have had a very different view to someone now in their 60s who might be living till their 90s So, so there's a lot in that there's also a lot about how we think about life satisfaction and fulfilment, which is very different. Um, there's also a sense that um, that being being confidently alone is is not necessarily a negative, whereas being unpartnered um, was seen to be much more negative in the past. Um, and certainly, there are people who have the financial means to say they genuinely want to invest in themselves differently. So. I think there's a lot of reasons why we anticipate and experience that life stage quite differently but there are also some developmental things that happen at that stage within family and professional life that might also bring the crisis to the fore
2: what are they Elizabeth
3: well for example um people are are marrying later for those who choose to get married they're having children later So you may well be into your late 50s when you still have your final child at home or even early 60s. For people who've repartnered and had children even later, um, Mm. they could well be into their mid-60s and seeing their last child leave home. So in in children staying at home later, that sense of, well, the children are off our hands and now it's up to us, there's something psychologically quite significant about that, about the mindset of where a couple really has to psychologically and in many other practical ways turn to each other okay it's just us now so I think that's a moment where couples can say well if you take all the parenting responsibilities out of the equation and we're genuinely kind of free in that way and maybe grandchildren haven't come along yet what is there left between us so that's one part of it and the other part of it is how we now think about retirement so I think not that long ago, again, people would think, well, they're just going to sort of do a potter in the garden and rest after a, a, a busy professional life. Now people have much bigger goals. And it, it's amazing how often I find in the couples that I talk to where one says, well, I always thought that would be our time and we would together, you know, set forth on, on you know, adventures maybe travelling around Australia. We always talk talked about doing that and the other says actually my horizons have changed I want to live overseas now I want to you know um, you know go hiking in wherever and and the other says who are you and what have you done with our couple goals (laughs) Um, and it it is or one says actually I I find myself being a homebody um, and I want you to be home with me and the other feels very suffocated by that so couples Mm. can actually have not checked in with each other as the years have changed about, um, have we changed, are our goals different? Um, is, do I actually want to give up work or do I, uh, you know, you, you might want, want to have me all to yourself and I, I dread that very possibility. So um, I think, you know, couples amazingly make a lot of assumptions. Um, and sometimes they're saying things like, but remember in our thirties, we always said we'd do this with our retirement and they actually haven't really checked in ever
2: since. Yeah, that's such a good observation because life gets busy, right? And you're busy with work, you're busy with raising kids if that's happening in your in your household. And so I can see how some of those big picture, long-term conversations just get put on the back burner because, you know, we need to just get through today. Exactly
3: right. And, and parenting and to... Too busy uh, working parents, your minds are very full, uh, and couples let their relationship drift. They 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 conflate that. Well, we're working, we're running the household well together. We're giving each other time and space. We're parenting well together. You know, I do the accounts and you do the washing, and what great teamwork! And they they conflate that with actually still having a good couple relationship, mm. and and they they might be aware that their emotional connection or their social life or their sex life has really wandered off, but they don't stop and acknowledge that and say, oh, well, but we're fine in these other ways um, until they realise they're not fine at
2: all and, and they've lost connection with each other. So I think, I mean, for some people, divorcing, if they've been very unhappy for a long time, could feel quite freeing and, and actually be a really positive thing. For a lot of other people, they probably would love to be able to save a long-term relationship. Do you have advice, Elizabeth, knowing particularly that sometimes it can be because some of those conversations haven't happened um, in earlier years about the future? Are there Are there tips or strategies that couples could could put in place to kind of try and get to the retirement age or the empty nest stage and and be ready for what lies ahead
3: well look i definitely don't think that you know um setting off a bomb in the relationship is a or throwing grenades of any sort is a good idea but there is something about raising the stakes that gets everyone's attention so i think if one person is brave enough to say you know what we're approaching retirement or the kids are moving out of home and I find myself kind of dreading it a bit, like I'm I'm wondering about what you and I are going to do and I find myself quite nervous about it, that can just be in a bit of an attention grabber. A lot of people just go quiet on this. So I think saying, look, what are, what are you and I going to do? I mean, we actually haven't done much together for a long time. Um, and so I think calling it out and saying, "Let's let's draw our attention to this also, talking about goals. I mean, anyone listening to this might use it as an opportunity to go home and not scare their partner, but just to say, you know what, I was hearing this thing about what we anticipate for the future and you and I haven't talked about it in ages. What do you reckon? Where are you up to? Um, so I think having the bold conversation, don't don't make um, assumptions. I think, too, if you really aren't investing in couple-time Put that on the agenda now. Don't don't think you can do that next year, or, or we've got that holiday book next May. We'll have a couple time then. Um, you need to really be doing doing that now. And if you do have a sneaking suspicion that that the drift is actually quite serious, and you it's so serious that you're afraid to raise it because it feels like you're you are making a much more dramatic announcement. You know, allow yourself the possibility that your partner might surprise you. Your partner might. Want to fight for this relationship and you might find yourself surprisingly intrigued by that um sometimes a sort of mini crisis can be a really clarifying moment and can get you the help that you need and certainly i'm increasingly seeing couples at this stage who've had a bit of a call to arms if you like and um, can do some really great work and get reconnected ready for the stages
2: ahead yeah, interesting. Elizabeth Shaw speaking with us, Chief Executive of Relationships Australia, New South Wales and a clinical psychologist, as we talk about the rise in what they're calling grey divorce. So this is couples separating later in life, in their 50s, 60s and beyond. Um, if that's been your experience, I'd love to hear from you today. What have you found in trying to navigate a grey divorce that might be helpful for others to know? Elizabeth, you often hear people say, oh, we grew apart, we grew apart, and there's um, a text here that says, you know, when you're spending most of your time apart through work, you can tolerate each other, but when you retire and suddenly you're with each other 24-7, you realise you can't stand each other. Um, is, is there truth in that notion that you grow apart, that people change? Look, absolutely.
3: Um, what, it, what it really is 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 that lack of checking in with each other over time, and there's something that you might intuit um, if you stop to let yourself think about it, but some people just are afraid of the very thought. and so they do avoid it. or as as your text says, um, even unconsciously just work around it because you know they have jobs that take them out of the house or they have friends and they're busy and they check in, and that's all very pleasant. Um, but but when they really start to look at the measures of success, Um, They they know in their heart of hearts that they're not putting their best foot forward and that's because they're avoiding the relationship. They're no longer really enjoying it. The shame of it is that I find couples, well individuals within couples go into their own head. They have the conversation with themselves about what annoys them or women in particular are very, very good at talking to their girlfriends about it. And the danger of that is... um, is that you get a lot of validation for your perspective without ever fact checking it with your partner. And, um, and, and sometimes you also take it off the boil. So your friends can say, oh yeah, we all go through that. Oh yeah, that's the same in my household. Mm-hmm. And it can be a great comfort because you can go. Oh, well, I'm I'm worried for nothing. That's good to hear. We're no better or worse than anybody else. But again, what it stops you doing is going home and having that conversation because it doesn't matter what other couples are doing. It's whether you're satisfied and and going home and saying, Look, I know this is common for other couples, but I'd like more for us. You know, I'd, I'd actually like us to be closer. Um, and I, I don't think we're as close as we could be. That's I mean, that's a person who's got some relationship ambition. I'm not saying this is having too many expectations. I think that's another thing we often hear. Are we expecting too much from a relationship? I think to say, I want us to feel closer and happier together is a pretty basic requirement.
2: Yeah, Elizabeth, stay with us. Let's head to Safety Beach, where Karen has called in. Hi, Karen. um, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just um, wanting to
4: say that I... um, Yeah, I agree with what um, you're... Sorry, I didn't get the name of the lady you've just been talking to. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. um, We separated um, after 26 years of marriage. I was in my mid-50s. And we just drifted apart. He had his work. Um, My four children had left home. And, yeah, I think I felt very... um, I didn't have a direction. He did... Um, We tried couples counselling, but um, I think we just ended up not wanting the same thing. Um, And the thought of being married and lonely in a relationship for another 26 years was uh, more difficult to um, think about than actually being on my own.
2: Yeah, and what, I mean, there are so many things, practicalities, logistics to consider when you're contemplating divorce. When it's happening, you know, after a long-term relationship, what gets tricky, Karen, if you don't mind me asking? um, I think
4: there was a um, quite a lot of um, feeling that, you know, we'd been married that long. Why, why weren't we just... Going to continue. I think Mm. um, a couple of our children thought, "Well, you know, you've been in it this long. Surely, you know, you're married for life." My husband was very, you know, we made vows, and that's what you do. You just, um, you know, you just you're in it for the the long run. Mm.
0: Um,
4: But I, I just felt that wasn't, you know, um, wasn't wasn't something that I could do anymore. I think the tricky thing is because being you know, a mother and a carer for children, you are very vulnerable in that. You know, my husband's got a good job, he's always had that income. Um, I haven't. So the whole um, logistics of Superman and finding a job and supporting yourself is, is very difficult, yeah.
2: How are you going, Karen?
4: Um, it's been very liberating uh, in some ways but um, quite, at times, <laughs> terrifying in others. Um, but, yeah, it's um, getting there, and we're still on good terms, so that's, that's really good.
2: That is good to hear, and, um, and, you know, well done on navigating what is such a tricky Thank thing you. to go through. Karen, thanks so much for sharing your story too. Karen at Safety Beach there. Sebastian has phoned in. Sebastian's in Melbourne. Hello.
0: Hello. How are you?
2: Good. What did you want to share?
0: Oh wow. um so I was basically separated um living under one roof in uh in a, in a western um Melbourne suburb um 2020 so um from from there to here was been a long journey um yeah and my my co-parent um, uh and and I have settled out of court more recently, so um, even though that was quite stressful, um, doing it, you know, amicably and and in a joint way was was quite relieving in itself. Um, I'm I'm 54, um, and she's um, 10 years younger. We have young children as well, so um, yeah. In in many ways. Um, Apart from the nightmare of it all, um, and, and living through it, uh, and just just finding new ways to to live, I suppose um, it's it it has um, can possibly been easier now to to live as as single parents or and, and as co-parents as well. We've
2: in in what way, Sebastian? What's been easier? Um, I
0: I think just realising what what wasn't working <laughs> um and what I certainly would want to work i mean um i loved my my ex wife dearly um but she decided that it would she would it would be better for her to to live um separately from me uh and do it um, solo um and for me that was a very that was a very different narrative mm. so um and a bit of a shocking narrative, but um i think uh, I've I've been able to um, grow into it, <laughs> um, but you know there's there's lots of my my ideas and my my paradigms have had to shift um, for lots of things, including you know
2: relationships and and what a family is. Uh, I mm. was thinking too um, that
0: families don't necessarily uh, stick together or stay together because they're trying to work, they're, they're they're wanting to work out how. They're wanting to know how the parents work out. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I, I, I certainly experience and remember, um, or even just, you know, overhear heated conversations on the tram or whatever, where people are obviously, you know, possibly hate each other, and yet they're still kind of together, maybe because of um, older paradigms of or well, systems of belief that they they feel a bit stuck in. Um.
2: Yeah, and Sebastian, you can see how people can get stuck, can't you? Because whether it's the expectation and the burden or the weight of thinking we need to stick this stick this out or, you know, financially, some people just may not feel that they can leave. Um, and that's certainly something that we'll touch on in a moment. Elizabeth Shaw, Chief Executive of Relationships Australia, New South Wales and clinical psychologist. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, There's a text here at 47. My partner and I separated at 56. We reunited and with all the mistakes behind us, we couldn't be happier and more clear eyed about our needs, wants and boundaries. Had we been so realistic at 47, we would have avoided a lot of heartache. That's really interesting, isn't it? And um, I'm so pleased to hear that you've been able to work your way through to a a good outcome there. And this from Lillian Warragul says, you think because your kids are all grown up with families of their own that they will be okay? They just don't understand why at that stage of your lives. I found that our divorce split the family and the grandchildren and my ex has completely lost touch with them, which is sad. I'm happily married again. He is not, yet he is the one who left. It's not easy at any time, but she says, I think it's worse after 50.
0: This is The Conversation Hour
2: on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Bromon O'Shea with you today filling in for Rochelle Hunt and we're talking about this notion of grey divorce which is on the rise. So this is couples over 50 who are deciding often after decades together to call it quits. If that has been something you've had to navigate I'd love to hear from you. Angela Harbinson is a CEO of the Separation Guide which supports people who are separating from a relationship. Hi Angela hi how are you today good we've talked about the kind of the emotional things that can happen what about the logistics what about the hard stuff like the the bank accounts the home loans the superannuation how does that complicate things especially if you're separating later in life
5: Look, I think uh, people are often quite fearful when they are going through a separation because they, they don't know what they don't know. And that's really you know why we exist is to help people navigate uh, that tricky time of finding out and discovering all the things that they do need to know. And just by doing it, it, it some of that fear kind of steps away. So, um, yeah, really, what we've found from a lot of research that we've done uh, is that people that receive that early education and and then get connected to the right type of people end up having better outcomes in the end, uh, mm. so it, it pays to 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 learn and and get the support
2: what What happens if, for example um, you know, you, you look at the the finances and you think, well, I actually can't afford to leave this relationship because, you know, you have to find somewhere to live. You have to potentially you've taken time out of the workforce to raise children. You might not have very much in the bank account or in the super account.
5: That's right, and look, superannuation is a really big, uh, big part of separation, and particularly, um, particularly for women, because we know uh, women have lower super balances in general to men, and particularly in this grey divorce category, that's probably when the gap is is the highest. So, superannuation is part of the asset pool when someone separates. Um, and when you do get the support of a legally trained professional, um, they can give you guidance around what fairness looks like in the law because often primary caregivers are out of the workforce for some period of time through, through their relationship and the law will look at that in, in terms of how that superannuation might be separated. So making sure that you're looking after your, your short-term and your long-term needs
2: angela i know you did a recent impact report that looked at the you know the impact of separation and one of the findings was that cost of living actually makes separation impossible for many people what do we need to make sure that that isn't a barrier or that doesn't stop someone from leaving a marriage that's making them very unhappy or, or even putting them in danger
5: look there are plenty of options available and um you know looking at you know, temporary housing options, uh, even um, house sharing or uh, looking at um, house sitting is a really good option to to break the cycle if you are living under one roof. Um, What we found is that sometimes escalation rises uh, when you are there, there's that tension of having to live under the one roof, but Mm -hmm. having that little bit of time away can sort of um, de-escalate and bring things back. Um, but most importantly, I think it's getting some financial advice to really know what it looks like. So um, that might mean talking to a financial advisor or a finance coach just to help you understand what, what all of the assets are and, and what your living expenses are so you can look at it um, with fresh eyes um, of what your options are.
2: Is, is it always a costly exercise? Like, Is there a lot of money you have to fork out to get the professional advice that you might need?
5: It's not as bad as people think, and I, I think that's one of the areas that we look at as we're a social enterprise, but we're, we're looking at how society experience divorce because um, in economic terms it's actually sort of government and enterprise that pay the highest cost when divorce goes wrong um, but what we found from our research was that um, those that did get that early early advice um, were able to save on their costs and and really the reason we exist is to help people find more amicable pathways to start with and arm you with really good tools and resources that help keep the conversations going in the right direction the way you frame conversations with your partner it's all these little things that can make a really big difference to get the final outcome and mm. as one of um as sebastian mentioned you know living under one roof they, they were still able to make things
2: amicable or stay in that amicable
5: space as long as they're getting the support they need
2: so if someone is listening today thinking uh, this is on my mind i'm wondering about whether this might be the right decision in my relationship what would your advice be
5: I would say learn your options because that really does take some of the stress away. I mean, people rate a separation and divorce. They consider it the, it's the second most stressful event of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, in our survey, people, 67% of people rated it a 7 out of 10 stress. So it, it can be quite stressful. But what we find is once you are armed with the knowledge, some of that stress comes away. Once you're connected with people that can support you and that's at an emotional Um, legal and financial element, um, you feel much more um, at ease with what you're going through.
2: Thank you so much, Angela Harbinson, CEO of The Separation Guide. As we talk about navigating grey divorce, so this term for separating from your partner later in life, lots of text messages here. I'm now 59, divorced six years, now separated 10. Not my decision, and just brutal for me emotionally, friend wise, child wise, and monetarily. I was alienated from my adult children, loss of a family home, even down to my dog. Hard to see The good side of that And it all echoes on In many unseen ways I have had help over the years But honestly it's just brutal Says Andy And this text from Mary I separated after 32 years of marriage It was a massive decision As we grew apart Different interests Once our adult kids Were very much now doing their own thing Uh, Mary says It is very liberating But the only thing is the loneliness It's really hard to get used to And Mary, maybe this is an interesting suggestion for you because Eliza has texted to say, I can recommend an excellent Australian podcast about relationships and dating over the age of 40 Um, by sometime ABC broadcaster Nellie Thomas. It's called Dear Nellie. On
0: ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
2: This is the Conversation Hour. Bronwyn O'Shea with you and today we're talking about what happens when couples decide to go their separate ways later in life. There is a growing trend for grey divorce so people separating in their 50s and beyond if that's been your experience and you're happy to share what that's been like I'd love you to give me a ring one 22774 uh, one text saying where are the blokes where are your bloke experts don't worry there's a couple coming up so keep listening um, but first Tamara Cavanagh is a clinical psychologist who joins us hello Tamara hi Bronwyn is there a way to divorce well Tamara Well, look, I certainly hope so. A lot
1: of emotions get charged during divorce. And it's important to remember that you won't always feel as emotional as you do at the start. And so where possible doing it as amicably as you can
2: we've talked um already about the importance or the value of actually having honest conversations earlier in your relationship before perhaps you get to the point where you're retired or you're empty nesters but i can see that when you've defined yourself by a relationship the loss of that relationship would be um you know incre- it would take an incredible emotional toll how, how do people deal with that
4: so it's certainly
1: um, something that people find really hard. So there's a lot of uncertainty around the future. A lot of people have planned their whole identity around their role within a relationship, around being in a partner. And there's also a lot of, you know, friendship losses and shame that people feel about getting divorced. And all that comes to the surface.
2: Is that changing now that our attitudes to towards divorce are perhaps changing more broadly?
1: It certainly is to some extent, so we are more socially accepting of a, a lot less judgmental, and there is a lot less shame, but it doesn't mean necessarily that as individuals we always you know take that on. we do feel a sense of now our place in the world you know has changed, and people might not be as positive towards that, and fear of that
2: yeah and and I guess when you don't have that shared focus on perhaps raising a family if that's been what you've done or having a business together or whatever it might have been that's kept you busy in that midlife um period you know things can start to look really different when you face the prospect of you know a few more decades together and and not necessarily happy how do you look after your emotional health through those times
1: so a part of it is just knowing that you know this is going to change and that at first it's going to feel like an adjustment and with all that comes grief and loss and just acknowledging that that's actually really difficult, really hard and you're not going to feel good all of the time. And then part of it is forming a new life, deciding that this could be a moment of self-discovery, exploring who you are, what you like and what your role might be outside of a relationship that's defined you for so long. And it can be a real opportunity. So some time focused on that, as well as allowing yourself to have some grief and loss over a dream that didn't quite pan out the way you wanted.
2: Yeah, there's a text here that says, I separated amicably from my ex in 2017 we managed to keep finances and loans together for our future security. It's interesting we were together but separated we'd never discussed divorce but this all changed when he met a woman 20 years younger and as a condition of their relationship she insisted on us divorcing divorce brought with it a sense of failure, loss and grief probably the hardest aspect for me, says this text, um, is the attitude of others. It's certainly a lesson in life. I had great support from some friends and colleagues but Other friends disappeared off the radar. I'm lucky in many ways. I'll never be wealthy. However, I'm 65, mortgage-free, good job and healthy. We separated finances fairly... And my ex and the younger woman are no longer together. I'm back on good terms with my ex and life is looking great now, says Margaret. What a roller coaster, <laughs> um, Tamara, there. And I, I imagine that's not unusual to have, you know, um, times when things are great, times when things are hard and potentially times when things can come back to being okay again.
1: Absolutely. So a big reason that people put off um, ending a relationship is often that they're so fearful that it's going to be terrible and they don't remember that that period of time won't necessarily be forever. But it is also important as the relationships change and as you negotiate things through the divorce, that you'll have moments where you're really upset, really angry, where grief is high, and you'll have other moments where you're more accepting and then as change happens, it can all start all over again. So really just remembering that it does change.
2: There's a text here that says I was divorced at fifty five and the hardest thing is not being one family anymore, and the separation of family, um, you know at Christmases and birthdays and things like that. Do you have any good advice on how people can keep those connections and those milestone moments feeling positive and and not feeling um, tarnished by that that separation? It
1: definitely is hard. People have a dream around special occasions and how they might go. And one of the great losses that a lot of people um, know talk about is that loss. So I guess what I would say to most people is know that you won't always feel as upset by it. You can create new traditions and new moments. And those are family times together, whether you're apart or not. And do put things in place. Create new friendships around it. See other people at some of the time and form new traditions that you can celebrate. And if you can be amicable, don't be afraid to involve the other person. There's lots of blended families that still get together.
2: Pam says, Hi there, this is a subject close to my heart. I agree totally with the call of earlier from Safety Beach, but the hurdles can be difficult, especially social contact and family events with in laws and friends. So, just what we were talking about there. My former husband of 27 years was not happy to split, so some family and friends sided and supported him. This reduced greatly my social circle and wanted happiness. After 11 years, I'm in a good space, very happy with my decision, and my advice to myself is to think back to how bored and stayed I would have become. That cheers me up, says Pam. Um, That loss of social circle and social connections, though, I think would be, um, you know, a big challenge for a lot of people, Tamara.
1: Yeah, the social changes. A lot of people find that some friendships don't continue, some of them really disappoint them, ones they thought that might have been supportive and would be around that aren't. And then also they get you know strengthened in some relationships that they hadn't expected. So you do get this positive side as well. But it is another grief and loss that people experience around divorce. It's not all just losing the individual. It's the loss of the social life um, and some of the friendships and relationships you had around that. And that can include your extended family.
2: Considering that the stats tell us that this is becoming more common, people separating after many decades together, do we need to rethink the way that we approach housing, approach um, socialising and dating even?
1: We definitely do. So, we, you know, I would always encourage people to um, not just try and couple up, invite lots of people, try to be flexible about how you socialise and don't forget that it can take a little bit of time to redefine a relationship that's experienced change. So hopefully we'll all be um, a little bit more, you know, easy and flexible as we go through this.
2: Thank you so much, Tamara Cavanagh, clinical psychologist, for joining us here on The Conversation Hour. We are talking about those unique challenges that you might face if you decide to separate from a relationship later in life.
6: This is The Conversation Hour
2: on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Bronwyn O'Shea here with you. Ben Rogers is a Policy and Advocacy Manager at Cota Victoria and Senior Rights Victoria. Hey there, Ben.
6: Hi, Bronwyn. Thanks for
0: having me on.
2: If you've been in a relationship a really long time, you have a house together, I can see that even the thought of having to sell up and find somewhere else to live, especially with the rental market the way it is, that could be quite confronting. How much of a challenge is that for people, Ben?
6: I mean, especially at the minute, it's a deep concern for us and I think it would be a deep concern for anyone looking out at the housing environment, especially for older people. It's, we're increasingly seeing, for, uh, as we see this cost of living crisis, increasing calls to our own helpline. And we know that other organisations that provide support are seeing increasing demand. And that's not a surprise, uh, especially with the increased cost of renting and the increasing amount of older people that are renting. And when you look, at, uh, especially with the divorce and the divide of housing, uh, and especially with people perhaps later in life and with less amount of time and learning and earning potential, it really does limit your options to get housing, and that's a concern because when you look at aging, housing is probably one of the most important determinants as we get older, and in terms of how you're doing, how you're feeling, uh, and you know, and aging how you want to.
2: And not everybody has you know family or friends that they could go and stay with, certainly in the short term, even let alone the long term. And the concept of share housing—I mean, we seem to accept that in our twenties and thirties, but if you're sixty or seventy you are probably not been going to want to go and live in a share house, are you?
6: Uh, absolutely. And it's, you know, especially when you're perhaps, you, you know, through your marriage, you've been able to live in your own home independently with your partner and then splitting up and you're, you know, as you divide the housing, you can no longer afford to to buy. You know, it's a, it's a deep concern. And especially, for instance, if we take a more gendered lens, you know, if you're an older woman who is perhaps, was a stay-at-home mum and did not have, uh, a career for parts of your working life you know you you have less suit but you have less uh savings and that can really influ- influences your op- options and i think it's you know especially as we look towards this housing crisis we are going to have to learn to think perhaps a bit differently about how we live
2: i was going to say what are the options then how can we how can we create those solutions for people who can't see a way out
0: well
6: it all comes down to housing availability and housing affordability and that means thinking differently perhaps you know looking towards more uh, shared housing or more creatively about creating living units that live together um but also it comes down to making sure that there are buildings available especially when you look currently out now into you know into victoria it's if you can't if it's not there the price is going to go up and that's really what we're seeing with rental there there is not enough availability which is causing prices to skyrocket which means that people can't afford to live there and that has so many different ramifications for how they
2: live. Yeah and so what are some of the suggestions or or paths that you recommend to people if they're finding it really hard to find a rental or, or secure somewhere where they feel safe and can afford to live?
6: So there's a number of different services available, including uh, the organisation H- housing, Ac- housing Action for the Age Group, uh, uh, who provide a lot of great services for people that are struggling around housing. And there are a number of different su- supports available that people can access. But really, if we want to tackle this issue structurally, we need to build more housing, and we need to make sure that people have those opportunities to move into different ha- housing that suits their needs, especially as they age
2: then the other thing that can happen at any age um this is certainly not unique to anyone in their 50s 60s or 70s but you know you tend to in long-term relationships fall into roles you know that person takes care of that side of life and perhaps you take care of other aspects of life and your skills get a bit rusty on some of the other stuff whether that be um you know the mental load or even just the practical things that have to happen around home um there's I guess that aspect of separating too, having to suddenly be responsible for things that you might not have thought about for decades.
6: Definitely, and it's a, a real learning well, a learning opportunity in that regard, but also we need to make sure that people have support as they start to navigate these areas that perhaps you know, they were able to separate and operate out in an equal partnership. And I think that's something that is uh, not necessarily thought of when we think about people divorcing and how we can support them through it, especially as we get older it's uh, it's definitely the same for younger people, but it's more you know it becomes more important as we age.
2: And I think about you know the cost of having to hire someone to do little jobs around the house or to buy in you know meals if you haven't cooked for years, all those little things that can happen, I can see how valuable it would be to have a support network around you to be offering to do some of those things um you know without having to fork out money to pay a professional.
6: Absolutely, and I think that's where one of the big concerns for us is around social isolation. And we know that older Victorians are more likely to be affected by social isolation. And that's a deep concern because it's so important to have these networks around us as we age because it it can support us to stay and live well in our communities for longer, which is ultimately what most of us want
2: yeah yeah and we need to make that affordable don't we we need to make it affordable to be able to go out and connect with others ben thank you so much ben rogers policy and advocacy manager at cota victoria and senior rights victoria dr henry carr is a family law expert at macquarie university law school welcome
7: good morning bronwyn
2: one thing that a few people have touched on this morning is this idea that, and you know, often women, not always, but take time out of work, the workforce, to raise a family. And therefore, um, that has a financial impact that affects their income, but it affects their superannuation too. Um, when it comes to trying to sort out the financials when a long term relationship ends, how do we put a, a monetary value on those years of time in the home?
7: That's a very tricky exercise to do. Uh, So if a matter is litigated in court, um, the court would have to consider each party's financial, non-financial contributions and uh, their future needs. Uh, So uh, it is uh, a discretionary exercise. The judge would just simply have to look at um, the evidence presented by each party. Um, And the tricky thing is... um, what what has to happen is the conversion of qualitative facts into a numerical figure obviously there are no financial records for someone's um role as a homemaker or looking after the kids um so uh it can be very subjective and that that's the issue at the moment with assessing uh, non-financial contributions after separation
2: are there rules like? A, does do the courts have something that they kind of go on that gives them guidance around that?
7: Uh, so the legislation uh, expressly mentions that caring of children, and homemaker contributions, are to be factors in assessing the division of family property, but uh, the legislation does not specify how the judge should. Um, come to a particular conclusion and how that should be interpreted. So it is a question of fact. Uh, It's up to uh, each party to claim uh, what the history of the relationship looked like, what their non-financial contributions are. There is no presumption of equal contribution in Australian family law. Um, So that's the reason why uh, it is very difficult uh, to prove definitively what your uh, non-financial contribution is um, given the discretionary nature of um, the uh, judicial interpretive exercise.
2: Does that exist in other countries? Do they have that presumption?
7: Uh, So in New Zealand there is a presumption of uh, equal contributions uh, in the relationship. It's a rebuttable presumption uh, and it can be rebutted for Uh, reasons such as um, the need to uh, promote the child's best interests or if um, someone's received a gift or uh, an estate from a relative. Um, In those situations, the presumption can be rebutted. Um, But in Australia, there is no presumption of uh, equal contributions. um, And the Australian Law Reform Commission has recommended that A presumption of equal contributions be introduced but so far um, there has been no movement in this area.
2: Henry what difference do you think it could make to couples particularly couples who've been together a long time what difference do you think it could make if those laws changed?
7: I think it would help promote financial security for each party. Uh, Divorce has negative financial consequences for both parties Uh, but particularly for women uh, and particularly in the context of grey divorce because uh, for a woman who is um, getting divorced say in their 50s uh, it's not easy to simply get a new job Um, there's age discrimination gender discrimination Uh, so having a presumption would provide a safety net a degree of financial security at the moment each side has to argue what their contributions were to the relationship so it can be quite adversarial and having a presumption would hopefully uh, avoid unnecessary litigation and um there, there would be a, a acknowledgement that uh, the starting point for any uh, discussion about how a family property should be split is based
2: on equality. Henry, there's several questions or comments really saying, you know, going through the courts is just so unaffordable, astronomical costs, it makes it out of reach for so many people. Um, And that concerns me in that if people are trying to settle out of court and are trying to DIY these things, um, does that leave people vulnerable to being, um, you know, left worse off than they should be, than they deserve to be? Because, you know, getting the right help is simply unaffordable.
7: Absolutely. Um, You're describing a phenomenon known as bargaining in the shadow of the law. So given the costs of litigation, which could cost thousands and thousands of dollars, um, some parties may feel that um, an out-of-court settlement is the only way forward and if um, a person can't afford to get a lawyer they may compromise their rights uh, to find uh, family property uh, and obviously that, that's an undesirable thing uh, so uh, it, 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 it's very challenging because there is uh, the barrier of access to formal justice, but then there are also risks with going through alternative dispute resolution. So it's important to know what your rights are, um, even if you do decide to settle out of court.
2: Should we have something, you know, should it be capped as a question here saying, why don't we cap the legal fees? That would make it more reasonable for people.
7: Uh, the lawyers won't be happy with that, obviously. Obviously, um, uh, it is an issue, legal fees um, and um, there have been moves in the past to try to avoid unnecessary litigation um, but inherently it is a costly exercise to go to court. There are court fees um, there are costs associated with hiring a lawyer and their and having their skills and uh, expertise um, so uh, I think The issue is more about trying to ensure that there are ways to settle out of court because the vast majority of people who divorce do not end up in court
2: no and and that could well be because they simply can't afford to dr henry carr thank you so much for joining us family law expert at macquarie university law school and thank you so much for the texts and calls and for being so frank and honest in this conversation today this has been the conversation